0: 97.3 Text 84850 Tweet at LBC 973 Have your
1: say with Steve Allen Morning everybody, nice to have you company, welcome along I've just been having a chat with Christo about dreams He has different dreams from me I had a dream last night, I can't tell you, it. it involved a, a showbiz person And, and to be honest with you, I very rarely dream about people that I know. Well, I mean, I don't know this particular person. But uh, you have a dream, and uh, I mentioned it to Gary when I came in on the door. And he said he can't remember his dreams. Whereas I remember mine quite well, actually. They do fade as as the day goes by, I'm afraid. And and so it was was an interesting dream. So perhaps we might do dreams this morning. Uh, We've definitely got some traveller stories. We've got two traveller stories this morning. uh, And still... The debate rumbles on, although actually the other debate which is rumbling on is the uh, controversy, which is the new film Anonymous. The film has upset everybody from the Shakespeare Society. They've put, oh, they're so angry about this film. You know, you'd think really. It doesn't actually make any difference. It's a theory. It's a conspiracy theory, which holds up, I think, quite well. Everybody else tells me, oh, no, it doesn't hold up very well at all. And I said it does. And the reason I think this film holds up well, and I think it's a, I think it's a really good film, and we'll be talking about it this weekend on In Conversation because Reese Withers, uh, we talked to yesterday. He was he was all over the place. He was in here. He was doing tons of interviews, and then he was on the television. So this weekend, nine o'clock, Reese Withers and Alan Titchmarsh on his latest book would be my guest for In Conversation. And when we were talking to uh, Reese, because I went to see the film the other day, and the theory is that it was all written by the Earl of Oxford. Why the Earl of Oxford, I don't know, who had a child with uh, Queen Elizabeth, who was known as the Virgin Queen, who really wasn't the Virgin Queen at all. It was just a little bit of propaganda that they uh, they put out. And to be honest with you, I was never really interested in, in whether Shakespeare wrote anything. But when you look at the facts and you look at the evidence, it is absolutely proven, as far as I'm concerned, you know, I might be wrong. But the evidence that was, that was put to me was, firstly, um, Shakespeare came from a, an illiterate farming background. Uh, there was no education. He would have had a very basic school education. There was never any evidence. For the first 18 years of his life, he didn't appear anywhere. And when I say didn't appear anywhere, there is no documentation about him at all. He was born and then nothing which means he wasn't an important enough person. Even in Tudor history, even after the plays, which he allegedly wrote, there was no documentation at all. There was nothing. And the story in the film goes that the Earl of Oxford was writing this stuff and gave it to him and said, listen, I can't, because it's seen as really bad show, really bad form, to actually have somebody who is titled writing... Uh, works like this. So he gave it to Shakespeare. Shakespeare then presented it as his own because he was was an actor, not a very good actor. He ended up becoming a manager. He was a moneylender. He did all sorts of things. So he died very rich, but he didn't leave any documentation. There is not one piece of documentation that exists written by Shakespeare, nothing. We've only got five signatures, three, I think, on, on a will, and two on something else, all spelt differently, all with... All with different spellings on, so the, the the argument is that there is there is nothing that Shakespeare left, not a letter, a poem. Uh, he left his will, and he left to his ex-wife, I think, a, a double bed, but no writing at all, and that's why, that's why the film's so interesting. It's a bit like James Well. he's actually quite interesting, you know when he, he goes down I'm... deep into the woods and starts carving his name on trees. morning
0: Oh, good morning. Good morning.
1: You're up. Wait a minute. It isn't Thursday, is it?
0: No, no. They asked if I could possibly do today, and I said, because I'm an accommodating fellow. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh,
1: how nice. Um, 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 oh, no. And will it, will, it, will it be you and Eamon again?
0: Um, you know, I, I'm not sure if he's only doing this morning this week or not.
1: Oh, right. Oh. But
0: if, if it is, Eamon, I'll pass on your fondest... Do
1: recitation. please. Do please. Tell him, you know, Stevie no. sends love.
0: Yeah. I, I know he's really really looking forward to a
1: meeting with you at some point. Oh, I'm, I have no doubt of it in my mind whatsoever. I'm also looking forward to <laughs> meeting with him, too. In fact, it was only a short while ago that we did sit on opposite tables, but he he didn't no. notice me. Yes. Oh, uh, where
0: was that?
1: It was at a showbiz lunch. Oh, that's why I was and uh, I was with uh, Barbara Windsor and Scott and Barry Burnett and his lovely mum and, and June Brown and everybody else. And, oh, and he, oh, he, was on, he was on another table, but it was oh. very, very close to us. I was, I was trying to wave and catch his eye, but not easy. Oh.
0: Well, listen, I'll, I'll, I'll get the two of you together before long,
1: don't <laughs> worry. Now, listen, well, what's right, a drinking with... session would be nice. Yes. <laughs> um, what's, um,
0: what's wrong with her on the switchboard?
1: Er, uh, on the switchboard.
0: Your, um, your, your, your gopher.
1: Oh, why? The, the, My the, gopher. Well, My producer.
0: Oh, that's the word that I was looking for. So oh. sorry. <laughs>
1: well, uh-huh. she's very stressed well, this morning because the studio is not the tidiest we've had it. She oh, has... no,
0: listen, I, I have a fit if I come in, and uh, if, if you know Jackie Smith in particular, what a mess if she's ever. Oh, on is this
1: she terrible? Service. Is she really bad? Oh. Well, to be honest with you, I mean Jackie's my, my new best friend and we're gonna exchange Christmas <laughs> cards and stuff like that. And <laughs> although she has she has some quite fruity language, I have to tell you. Yes, I
0: noticed I
1: did not I d yes. I didn't I didn't realise, but uh, but we we walked in this morning and yet the, actually it was worse in here the day before. There were cups ever I've never seen so many cups. Why it is at the end and you and I know this because we are we are professional broadcasters, you take your cup out at the end of the session.
0: When I listen, I, I don't suppose that there's been the slightest bit interest in this. But when I sat down to perform yesterday, I had to have four cups removed, a jug of water, the day's old newspapers, and the doodlings whoever had been there last night. I don't ask much. I just ask to be able to go into the studio as if it had not been
1: used. It's exactly the same, isn't it? It's it's it, it's like you know you you move into somebody's house and you, you borrow it for a week or whatever. And then you move out and you leave it as you found it. We were always told yep. it was called studio discipline, and it, it goes back donkey's years. It's a case of listen, if you know, leave it as you would as you would have found it.
0: Well, some of the people today they have no discipline, <laughs> don't no care. discipline. They come, can, they can't even they can't even trail their programmes without <laughs> sitting the microphone having
1: their headphones. Oh, on. you've got such a cob on today, haven't you? You oh, really, oh,
0: dear, oh, I mean, it's, well, I,
1: I almost mean, feel it's pent up this.
0: Well, I was all right until she said, "Now you watch your language and don't be rude, otherwise I'll ban you."
1: <gasps> the very idea I'm, of it. The very the idea of it. Like that at all. I've never well, been. I mean, I mean, like sh- she, she, she says you're very lucky you've not been banned already because twice you've mentioned a rude word, Eamon, and you know that normally does not get <laughs> by on this program. Uh,
0: no,
1: that was Eamon, not what she thought it was. Oh, sorry. Oh, right. <laughs> anyway, on 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 the the papers today. Uh, it's yep. going to be the truth about Anton Ferdinand, who's turning up the heat on John Terry over this racism slur. John Terry says, yes, he did use these words, but it was taken out of context. Well, having looked at these words, I don't know how you could ever, in a million years, take them out of context. I mean, it's... it's, uh, it, it's I'm just... just not sure
0: what the whole point... I mean, these are people who probably call each other names all the time. Sometimes yes. it's get yeah, sometimes not. Yes, and, and, you know, if they were to start picking you and me up on the way we abuse each other when we're yes. working, yeah. could you imagine the headlines?
1: Yes, it, it, yes, I could. Yeah, I exactly. Could. So right you've point. actually got that. You've also got The Only Way is Essex Girls, who were no, uh, no. Beat, no, be, beaten up in the nightclub, and now it turns out that Essex gangsters have said that they're actually going to get revenge on the people who perpetrated this uh, crime. It's marvellous, really. So it's all really? kicking off well, down in Essex.
0: I'm glad I don't live in Essex, that's all I can yeah.
1: say. And millions of Britons are going to be £500, 500 pounds a year worse off in retirement because of plunging pension annuity rates. So that's not good news for you, is it?
0: Well, there's no good news at all, is there, really? No. Yes, I had to do a story that people like you and me will be forced out of our jobs because we're old. Really? Yes. The government making plans to make it easier for employers to suggest to people who are not perhaps up to the job of whatever age... Mm. Because they can't forcibly retire you anymore.
1: The trouble right, is you, you, in, in you know our, our business, business we are as we are as good as our ratings and as and as good as our as our popularity, and luckily I'm at all I'm at all time high at the moment. It's not like
0: you really <laughs> <laughs> You must have been looking at different ratings to what I've seen.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we do have the ratings this coming Monday, actually. Yes, I know, I'll be there. Perhaps we'll have lunch. Yes. Um, um yes, I've got I've got um I've got I've got yes. a few showbiz pals to catch up with as well. Really? Yeah.
0: Guess who? I, I was having a little coffee in, in my favourite place in Soho the other day. All oh, right. Guess who was sitting on the table next to me?
1: Your Outside producer,
0: Jim Sunshine. no. <laughs> who? I know that's funny, but it didn't quite work. All right. Um, Will Young. Oh right. Yeah.
1: Who 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 was Where he with?
0: It, well, he was on his own. Oh. Well. Enough, I was on my own, and I I didn't recognise him first. Well, I didn't. Is, is anybody sitting here? He said, yes. <laughs> and then I recognised him and I thought, oh, I won't, I won't make an issue out of it. So I sat at the table next to him. And uh, he was there with the most enormous dark glasses on and a French beret pulled on the wrong way, if you know what I mean.
1: Oh, wow. It's amazing the people you that. bump into, isn't it? Because Jay Louise at the 97.3 travel centre, was, uh, was was queuing up in a carvery the other day, and in front of her were two of the girls from the Only Way Essex, and they were going, I don't know, gammon, beef, gammon, beef. <laughs> chicken or beef, chicken or beef. <laughs> chicken, or beef? <laughs> chicken or beef. You know, eat as much as you like yeah. from the carvery, you know, and you can have corn on the cob and everything. It's, like, great. <laughs> <You> <laughs> Listen... mean, I, I wouldn't go
0: to a carvery, and I'll tell you very quickly
1: why. Oh, why? Why? All
0: that food has been out for quite some considerable time, and every other person's germs have been spread onto it, even if they didn't mean
1: to. I would
0: never go and eat at a carvery.
1: You've ruined my day. I was looking forward to a good carvery later on. (coughs) Really looking forward to a good one. Anyway... You, standing at the carvery, coughing all over again. Have a lovely day. See you later. Bless your heart. There Hi. Goes. James Whale, back on LBC a little bit later on today. He likes it. It makes the, the journey go a little bit easier if he phones us up, because he's already tried Samaritans this morning, and they don't even bother calling him back now. So he, he does the next best thing, which is which is call us on LBC 97.3. Quarter past five. These are the headlines in a bid to try and help kick-start the economy once and for all. Leaders from across Europe meet later in Brussels. The focus is likely to be Italy, with it being asked to look at ways of cutting its debts. Two children and two adults have been rescued from a fire at a block of flats in St John's Wood. 150 people had to be evacuated from the seven-storey block on Grove End Road. And the Bishop of London has stepped into the row over the campaigners camped outside St Paul's Cathedral. Richard Chartres says it's time for protesters to leave before the camp's presence threatens to eclipse entirely the issues that it was set up to address. Here she is. Down there at the LBC 97.3 Travel Centre, it's Jay Louise.
2: Thank you, Steve. Good morning. The North Circular currently closed eastbound at Colney Hatch Lane. It's after an accident that started shortly after 2 o'clock this morning. Now, at the moment, traffic is being diverted via the exit and entry slip roads. The vehicles involved have been recovered. In fact, I'm just looking on the cameras now, and it seems they're lifting those cones. So, eastbound North Circular at Colney Hatch Lane, just in the process of reopening.
0: Finance subject to status. Over 18s in the UK only excluding channel-ask guarantees and indemnities may be required. Finance provided by many financial services. LBC 97.3. Steve Allen.
1: Morning, everybody. So I think the film Anonymous is out. I think it's released this weekend uh, all over the place, except not in Brighton, because my friend Helena said, uh, I've got to go and see it, she said, because I'm, you know, I'm fascinated by the story. And I said, well, it's, it's, it's a bit bloodthirsty, but you need to see it in a cinema. It, you, you won't get it unless you've got surround sound. And I, I did have surround sound on a television ages ago, and uh, I remember watching Jurassic Park and thinking these things were coming through the wall behind me. It's very close. You go into a cinema and on this particular film, Anonymous, it's uh, it's good. It's dark, and they've used this new technique because they filmed in candlelight which is how it would have been. I mean, all the places would have been pitch black. Isn't? Imagine what the streets of London would have been like if you were working on candlelight. They were doing something interesting down in Trafalgar Square the other day. They're, they're sort of trying to introduce you to dance from Vienna, and they've erected this huge tower, and they had ballet dancers suspended on wires yesterday, which always frightens the life of anything that involves heights. I'm afraid I cannot do. I sit there thinking, what happens if it all collapses? It's only scaffolding. <laughs> it might collapse. I get very... One of my worst recurring dreams is going into the Royal Albert Hall. And if you look right up to the top, to the dome, there are all these uh, cornices which go all the way round. And my worst nightmare was being stuck in one of them. And I couldn't get out. And they're going, just sit on the edge. Going, I can't do it. I can't do it. I'm... And I was petrified. It was only a dream, I know. But when, when you're in the dream, it's actually quite quite realistic. So if you get to see Anonymous this weekend, go sit. You make up your own mind. Make up your own mind. Check out the history books. See what you can find out about William Shakespeare. And the answer is, you'll find out very little. Can you go to the British Library, which has everything? They've got Doomsday Book. They've got copies of Beatles lyrics. They've got letters from Henry VIII. They've got, you know, oh, Mary Queen of Scots. They've got this death warrant. They've got everything. From William Shakespeare, nothing. Nothing. No writing, no play, no poem, no sonnet. Nothing. But he became immortalised. And it could be quite easy. It would be very easy to think that you could write something. And because Noblemen in the early days couldn't be seen to be writing this sort of stuff because it was for the masses, and they were burning theatres left, right and centre. In fact, you'll see at the beginning of the film, they'd actually go in there and say, give, give, give us the manuscript. Where are the manuscripts? Give us the, the, these plays that you've been writing. And he hid them, but they torched the theatre. And there's a there's a slight slight twist which you'll uh, which you'll hear about in the interview with, with Reese. I don't think we're, we're spoiling the film for anybody at all, but it's it's very well shot. But mainly in front of green screen, it used to be called blue screen, now it's green screen, and that's where they're told. Listen, there's this box here represents a horse, and then they just put it. It's terribly clever. So they made it on a budget of thirty million because it looks. Millions and millions of dollars, this film. It's, uh, anyway, enough enough talk of that. I'm sure you'll all make up your own mind and go and see it. And uh, Reese will be joining me on In Conversation this week, together with Alan Titchmarsh. So, let's quickly go through the uh, papers and find out what everybody's talking about today. Uh, first of all, in the uh, in the mail... Oh, dear. Stop it, stop it, stop it. The silly, vacuous world of uh, Tamara. This is Tamara Eccleston. She's doing a programme on the television, and she just wants to show here that, uh, she says, people think I'm a spoiled rich girl. We do, actually. I'm terribly sorry. She says, I-, I just want to demonstrate that I'm more than just the daughter of someone famous. No, you're not. So what's she showing you on this television programme? A hundred pairs of Christian Bouton heels, 15 pairs of Ugg boots, 20 pairs of trainers, and a smattering of Gina's and Jimmy Chew's. Her wardrobe, and she'll like it next door, but it's a vulgar display of wealth, whichever way you look at it um she's got all her shoes laid out all her clothes laid out to be honest with you Tamara you would do everything even the daily mail says you know because she says i just want to not be seen as just a poor little rich girl they say you may need to try harder with that one because she's also got uh, i think about 100,000 pounds worth of handbags 70,000 pounds of shoes in poor little rich girl Tamara's wardrobe it's a vulgar display of wealth and uh, she's never done a day's work in her entire life she's never done anything all for a fuck which is very sweet I don't have a problem with that. But then, don't be vulgar and cheap. And what she's doing is making it look cheap. She's sort of going, oh, look what I've got. I think mainly to impress herself, I'm afraid, because it uh, it ain't doing it for the rest of us. And she hasn't got anything else in her life, so I'll go out for lunch and... Uh, Do you want to look at my wardrobe? OK, here it is, all my shoes and everything. All right, and you earned all this money, did you? No. Got it from Daddy. Lovely. And wh- wh- what did Daddy make it from? Motor racing. OK, lovely. So that's blurred adverts going round, isn't it? Very, very fast. And lots of people wasting champagne. I suppose the whole sport, actually, is just a bit... I've never seen the purpose. If I live to be 37, I've never seen the purpose of motor racing. I'm watching on the, uh, on the BBC occasionally. I sort of turn on, and they've got some bloke who used to be on children's BBC, I think, a very tall bloke, talking, you know, about motor racing like it was something interesting. Like, you know, we're really... What, what is the purpose of it? It doesn't serve any purpose, does it? It's just cars going very, very fast, and then they change tyres, and then there's lots of blonde girls wearing white sort of Pirelli outfits, you know, with the, sort of the zip halfway down at the front, posing on the bonnet of cars with baseball caps on. And that's all it is. What's the purpose of it? You can't, you can't drive on the roads at these speeds, so why? Why are we doing it? answer. They've got no idea either, but it makes a lot of money for a lot of people. Uh, the thermal images, which we talked about yesterday, at length on the programme, that prove that there's nobody living outside St Paul's at all. There's about, in fact, in this particular thing, two tents are, so sorry, I tell a lie, one, two, three tents are occupied. The rest of them are empty. Now, if I was the police, I'd just go in there and lift them off, take these tents, hello, anybody in there? No, out. And then you could see what a bunch of frauds they all are down there. Because that's all it is. And it's it's a lot of it's a lot of professional you know people. I see that uh, Benjamin Botang has been found guilty in court of uh, uh, party sex attack on a girl 22. It's uh, this has made all the papers today, and he's now facing jail. And uh, there's a picture. He looks absolutely identical to his father, absolutely identical. But he was found guilty the other day, and uh, he's he's appeared in the bill and Grange Hill, and. Uh, the maximum sentence here could be life imprisonment. That's what the judge has said to him. It could be life imprisonment. So uh, he was continually late turning up in court, quite clearly cocking a snoot to everybody. And so he's in the papers today. And then then there's the travellers turning into nimbies. not in my backyard. You know why? Because up in Welsh Wales, there is um, a lovely piece of uh, land looking out over the Bristol Channel. And it's the longest footpath in Britain, 870 miles. It's for ramblers. Now, I don't profess to being a rambler. I don't profess to understand anything about it. You just put on clothes and you go walking you look at the scenery and it's all very lovely. However, at the very end of this uh, piece of coast is a traveller site. And the travellers have said, you're not walking around here. The reason? They don't want people gawping at them. Funny that, isn't it? You'd have thought they'd have loved being gawped at after my big fat gypsy wedding. And uh, and there's also a piece of the paper today of going against all traditions, a girl who isn't a traveller, who fell in love with one and has moved into his caravan and is looking forward to going travelling. I've had a look at the size wagon she's living in. There's no chance of this thing moving. It's a pretend wagon. It's got little tiny piddly wheels on it. So the, the travellers have said here, no. And the council, bowing to pressure, have said, well, I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll actually put up a big screen. We don't want that either, they've said. And the reason, they say, there might be drug dealers and paedophiles walking past looking at their children. I'm surprised you are frightened to go out of that uh, traveller site. So they want them to go elsewhere. They don't want them anywhere near there. Otherwise, they have threatened to take the law into their own hands. They're that nasty. That nasty. That's in all the papers today, which is quite interesting. And then the other one is uh, Simon Cowell. Uh, The ratings for the X Factor have dropped off a bit. I mean, not not a huge amount. It's still a very popular programme. And what they've... I think what has happened now, because it's beginning to look a bit staged. It's beginning to look very staged. Simon has said to them, listen, we've got to up the ante. So, you two, you start rowing. It doesn't matter what it is, just row. And then, Kelly, you can just get on a plane and dissipate, because got, we've got no idea where she is. Don't be so stupid, of course you have. What do you think? I mean, should we call the police in for this one? No, because it's it's fake. You remember, of course, over the years of drama we've had on this programme, Sharon Osborne." You know, she then threw a glass of water over Louis Walsh. We went, oh, that is just so rock and roll, dear. It really is. The judges played musical seats in a bid to maintain interest. When Danny Minogue was moved into Walsh's seat, it prompted dozens of articles claiming she'd fallen out with Simon Cowell. It's all put out by their press office to get some interest in the show, so you will watch it and you will believe what's going on. A week later, when the stunt had done its trick, she was back in a normal place next to Cheryl Cole, because they just want things. Uh, Cowell and Miss Cole were renowned for taking snipes at one another, in 2010, he called Miss Cole a childish, childish little brat, while she late, later branded Cowell and Walsh Tweedledee and Tweedledum, <laughs> which is actually quite interesting for Cheryl Cole, who's never displayed any hint of personality whatsoever. I'm afraid. In 2007, the ex-actor bosses admitted staging scenes in which Cowell told producers he wanted Walsh back on the panel after axing him. This is his own programme. That's what's so. Fa- they have to pretend, don't they? And uh, and it's just reenacting. Although I did cheer myself up this morning, and it always makes me smile. Uh, I went on to YouTube and typed in signature. Signature with the act in 2008, I think, where one of the guys comes on and he does a Michael Jackson thing. And then the Sikh guy comes on with the brush and starts sweeping the stage. Always makes me smile. Always, because Amanda Holden sits there and she's going, woo! Really good. It's very, it's, it just, you know, I've watched it three times this morning, and it just makes you smile. Because we need things to make us smile first thing in the morning, because it's not that much, is there? You know, if you listen to the radio all the time, oh, that's not very exciting. And so we, we try and put a smile on your face. You know, costs nothing to exercise a few muscles. Plus, we take uh, all your texts and emails, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. And as uh, Christo was talking about cannabis for what seemed like an entire programme, it can bring on schizophrenia. More on that in a moment on LBC 97.3, because it's 5.30.
2: From the LBC 97.3 News Centre, I'm Rachel. 97.3.
0: Text 84850. Tweet at LBC 973. Have your say
1: with Steve Allen. Morning, everybody. It's nice to have your company. It's early breakfast on LBC 97.3. So Christo spent what seemed like hours and hours talking about smoking joints. He seemed very well versed with with skinning up. That's that skinning up? I had no idea. I thought it was called rolling a joint, but apparently it was skinning up. And it's amazing how many people listening to LBC at that time in the morning seem to be experts on it. Most people saying that, you know, if you start smoking cannabis, and he seemed to think that every party you went to now, it was, it was considered quite normal, even though it's illegal, it's considered quite normal. I mean, and I did go to a party a short while ago and was quite shocked. To see I mean because i'm I'm at that age where I'm shocked easily now and saw somebody smoking it, and they always smoke it. they always go and sit in a corner with somebody else who smokes it and uh, so the rest of but I knew what they were doing and and then once cannabis doesn't have any effect, people then go on to skunk, and I've seen people smoking skunk, and it's it as far as I remember, it appeared to be leaves that come in a bag that you crush up and you put in a in a cigarette it's like people who say to me i don't smoke but i but I smoke joints and you go. Well, they've got tobacco in, haven't they? I thought that was the whole idea. Because you make it like a cigarette, but you add this this other stuff to it. And to be honest, it never appealed to me in the slightest. Because I used to get dreadful headaches if anybody smoked it near me. Although we did have a, a presenter at LBC called Carol Allen. And uh, she used to do films and everything else. And she used to smoke herbal cigarettes. So she'd stand in the pub smoking these herbal and people would go... Somebody's smoking a joint. And she'd go, no, no, it's herbal cigarettes. And she'd have to take these cigarettes out and show you all that. But they smelled exactly the same because it was it was probably, you know, sort of a mixture of all sort of grasses and everything else like that. But uh, now they're saying in the paper that smoking just one cannabis joint can bring on symptoms of schizophrenia. And and I know people who've really had bad times on cannabis. Very, 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 very bad times. Uh, Scientists at the University of Bristol have studied rats again. These poor rats, honestly. One minute it's the beagles with fags on. Now it's rats who are smoking joints. And um, they they gave them uh, THC, which is the active ingredient of cannabis, in a similar dose to someone smoking a joint. Using electrodes, which cannot be done in humans, apparently, uh, the researchers found that those on the drug were significantly impaired in navigating a maze for up to two hours And uh, they say here cannabis is making normal people behave more like schizophrenia patients when they take it. So and if you then go on to something stronger like skunk, I mean, there is a chance that you're just going to completely addle your brain for the rest of your life. You're going to wander around in this dream. You've got no idea. But because it produces schizophrenia and because it produces the effects of schizophrenia, you've got no idea what's actually going on. So that's why you find a lot of people who've been sectioned are people who've been taking drugs over a period of time. I'm so grateful, actually, that I was far too mean and stingy to ever spend money on drugs. It, was, it just never quite appealed to me. Unfortunately, drink did. And, uh, and luckily, when I was sort of working the clubs, you couldn't really drink that much because otherwise you couldn't focus and it, it just wasn't very good for you. But the amount of people now that go into nightclubs in London, you can tell that they're on drugs because they don't drink any alcohol. Those who drink alcohol and do drugs are almost dicing with with uh, death. Um, Paul says, "I'm looking forward to the in conversation on Sunday with Oris. What happened to his twin? Uh, he appeared with him in the film Twin Town. In fact, they were filmed in the bath together twenty years before John and Edward Grimes did it. Yes, they were. It was, and he he was talking about that in an interview the other day, not with me, because I wanted to talk about his love life, but uh, I, I sort of decided not to." because I thought it would be t- you never know how people are going to react it's well well documented but I'm I'm always quite curious to find out he was ever such a nice chap but you must think at the end of the day he must have been going round the balmy with talking about the film all the time because actors generally and he is he is one of a whole raft of actors they're not very good at talking about themselves they could talk about the films they're in but when it comes to talking about themselves they you know most people are a little bit not not reclusive they're, they're, they're just a little bit reluctant to talk about. You know, unless you're on some huge ego trip, which he isn't. The only thing he wanted was a fag, which we, which we gave him, because he does confess to doing between 40 and 50 fags a day. I thought, amateur, I used to do 60 fags a day. How I ever got through 60 cigarettes a day, I've got no idea. Uh, Steve, this film on Shakespeare is fantasy. You want facts, watch BBC's In Search of Shakespeare, presented by Michael Wood, a man of great intellect and minds can be informed. Uh, who know nothing of the bard. Yes, but it, well, it still doesn't alter the fact. And, and w- we didn't say this film is fact. What we're saying is it, it presents uh, something to you by saying there is nothing. That there is no. You would think something would survive, wouldn't you? A Shakespeare play, a sonnet, something written by Shakespeare with his signature at the end. There's nothing at all. When he died, in his will, there was no mention of any books. And books were valuable. Books were really, really valuable. So if Shakespeare never travelled, which he didn't, His schooling was minimal. How on earth did he write The Two Gentlemen of Verona? How would that be possible? He wouldn't even know where Verona was. He wouldn't have the faintest idea. So I only present the facts to you. You know, you can make something of anything, can't you, really? Shakespeare, says Johnny, gym bound with Eamon. Still going to that gym, eh, Johnny? He says, a Brummie. What other literary genius has come from that part of the world? Makes sense that he had a ghostwriter. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and uh, Johnny is also skint and happy. Do you know, sometimes, isn't it funny, you can, you can go through life and you think that when was the best time? And the best time that you had was when you appeared not to have any money. I'm not saying living on pot noodle was the best thing I ever did. But, and to be honest with you, in those days you didn't really care what you shoved inside your stomach. But uh, pot, pot noodle was one of those things that I did live on. I did enjoy a pot noodle. We thought it was like a meal. We sit. I know, you look at them now, and they've tried to relaunch the things, but when, you, when you're in London, and you haven't got any money, you, you tend to exist on toast, with sort of margarine. You tend to exist at uh, spaghetti. I hated spaghetti. I hate spaghetti with a passion. I can't do anything like that at all. There was a woman in the supermarket the other day, and Waitrose decided to have one of those days, lunchtime, where everybody's shopping, to only have three tills in operation. So there's queues everywhere. And what do I get? The woman in front of me, who's got, like, the trolley from hell. This thing is pi- 160-something quid. And she's got big bags of pasta, she's, and I'm thinking, gosh, you know, I mean, I'm quite sort of, you know, it makes no difference to me. I'm, I'm quite happy to stand in a supermarket queue, and um, really, because it, it makes, and you, and you get to the checkout, and the checkout assistant goes, sorry to make you wait, and I go, mm, doesn't make any difference to me, I'm quite happy. You know, as long as you provide seating next time, and perhaps a film while we're waiting, but at the moment I'll go for this, or some light refreshments. So it's somebody coming around and going, like a cup of tea you know a cup of tea or or a, or or a, a, a cioccolatino or something or whatever they call it chocolato. a chococino would be very good uh, johnny says uh, Remus eccleston being rich is no excuse to flaunt vulgar wealth the show will prove her delusions of being normal i know it, it's it's such a shame it's it's the show off it's this ridiculous she probably mixes in in the company of other people who go okay we're going to go to gastaps this weekend tammy you coming you know and it's it's that kind of mentality she goes, yeah 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 uh, because uh Daddy's got a flat over there and we can use that. And then we just behave badly. But so she doesn't know any different. She doesn't probably see this as showing off. She'll need to be told by... She's quite clearly being advised very badly by a PR that people want to see this kind of thing. We don't. If somebody's worked for it, we love it. If somebody's worked hard all their life and they go, this is what I have because I work for it, then fine. But if it's just handed to you on a plate... That's why, when you look at Paul McCartney, he's absolutely hit the nail on the head. He doesn't give the kids anything. You know, he makes them work for a living, and so he should. It's great. Uh, Wilmer says, you're on fantastic form this morning. I think on every morning, actually, Wilma. It's very sweet of you to just single out one. I think you found the standard is consistently high on this programme. And you can podcast as well. Please do. Tell your friends. 84850, steve at uh, Another one here. It says, I found a new place in London for you to visit. It's one new change on Cheapside. If you take the lift to the roof terrace, you're transported to the most wonderful views and they'll be on practically the same level as the Dome of St Paul's. I went there Sunday... Thought I should recommend it to you. Thank you very much indeed. I'm always looking for new places in uh, in in London to go to, especially on a Sunday. And uh, it's always nice to have some places that you can sort of get in the car and poodle around. And um, so I shall make a mental note of that. Very soon on your grocery list, you know, you put eggs, butter, milk, sausages, legwax. They now say that very soon supermarkets... Uh, Will be offering spray tans, leg waxing, facials, and even a haircut. It's going to be available at Tesco's. I'm not really sure I want to go to Tesco for a leg wax. I, I really don't. They, they've got uh, the supermarket giant has launched the first of seventy. Oh, it's in Dudley in the West Midlands. Who comes from? Who comes from Dudley in the West Midlands? Lenny Henry comes from Dudley. He probably has his legs waxed as well, actually. <laughs> but uh, you'd have thought it had been in Essex, wouldn't you? Because that is the home of the spray tan, but only in Brentwood. I'm also the Tesco next door to the Carvery, where Jay Louise went. You know, nip in there, bikini waxing, verjazzling. and uh, and some some spray tans. I don't like spray tans; they look fake. I think they look fake spray. They don't look genuine. They they just look unreal. But the idea that to, I don't know gammon beef. Beef, chicken, gammon. I don't know. Such a decision if you're an Essex girl, isn't it? Unfortunately, not all those people there. I mean, you you could probably pop in and have your your nails done at the same time. That'd be quite a nice idea. Uh, Other stories of the I love this story in the paper today. I I so wanted it to be me. And it's a story of um, John Buckley. John Buckley goes into a store. And uh, this is in Sunderland. All the accents, does it? Do you know, it's uncanny. You get you get so much value on this programme, even I can't believe it at times. Anyway, he, he produces a gun, and he says to the storekeeper, uh, give us your money. And the storekeeper's looking at the gun, and he doesn't know that it's a replica. He thinks it's real, but it does not stop him tangling with this hoodlum. And a customer in there, a Mr Bayliss, dramatically... This is Kevin Bayliss dramatically went for a rugby tackle. They brought him down and they sat on him until the police got there. How fantastic is that? Now that's, But the trouble is, the danger is that you don't know if the gun is real or not. And that's the risk that you take. So, so the, 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 the police have sort of said, you know, it's, it's very nice and very laudable, but you must be very careful because there are all sorts of dangers out there. Uh, this, this man has been found guilty... Uh, he's, uh, he has no fixed address, of course, and he has a drink problem, and he's attempted suicide. So he sounds like an ideal candidate for uh, I'm a celebrity, get me out of here, because that was the woman we had the other day who we'd never heard of. She's a comedian, but she's tried everything. Self-harm, bankruptcy, abusive husband, all the way. And they think, and this is a recommendation for going into a jungle programme. Small wonder the Japanese have now said that they want to ban these reality shows, because you're going to end up with a nation of numpties, people who think they've got talent, but have no talent whatsoever. Nothing. Their only talent is appearing on the television. And that's it. And that's why it's so dreadfully sad. That It's not encouraging people to do anything now. Because girls, you know, and you I, I saw them the other day on The Only Way is Essex. Just me watching, I think. And glamour model, Lauren Pope. And you look at it you think, you, you can only be a glamour model. You're not attractive enough to be anything else at all. You can only do glamour. And that's it. But there's nothing glamorous about it. It's seedy, it's tacky, it's cheap. You know, years ago it was okay with the page three girls. Now it's degenerated into... Well, what do you, You've only got to look at the dreadful people who pitched up on Katie Price's abysmal programme to realise that, you know, when something dragged its carcass onto the stage. I mean, it really looked awful. And they went, what do you do? I was shouting at the television, she's a glamour model. She had fake black hair, fake boot. There is a picture. I was going to show you a picture in the paper today, but I can't remember, Popsikins, which <laughs> which paper it's in. And it's a, it's a picture. I shall never find it. You know when you really want to find something? I'll
2: look through it through the travel. I'll look
1: it through it through the travel, because you're going to go, oh, Steve. I think you're, you're a bit right on that one. And it's a picture of Jodie Marsh. Uh, oh, she's right. she's decided because she doesn't get any publicity and hasn't had it for ages and ages uh, to pose naked. Oh, so, I know, I know. Well, I'm, I I want to show it to you because oh, you. I'll I'll find it because oh, uh, right, we'll do, well. yeah. I don't want people to think I'm being you know a bit hard on her. Oh no, no, you know in any way, shape or form. No. God, God forbid, God forbid. And uh, so we'll we'll find that in the paper and uh, and then oh I found it. Oh. God. Right, so we'll have to come around to that in a moment. And it's her new look, they say. It's really quite awful. Quarter to six. <laughs> These are the headlines. The Bishop of London has joined the row over campaigners camped outside St Paul's Cathedral, saying it's time for them to leave. Richard Chartres says the camp must be moved before it entirely shadows the issues it was set up to address. David Cameron's joining other EU leaders for a key summit on the Eurozone debt crisis. There had been hopes it would agree a deal to secure struggling member state by shoring up banks and increasing emergency funds, but there are now fears that may not happen. 150 people are to be evacuated from a fire at a block of flats in St John's Wood this morning. Two children and eight adults were rescued after the fire broke out shortly after 2.15 on Grove End Road. Let's have a check on the LBC roads for you down at the LBC ninety seven point three Travel Centre. It's Jay Louise.
2: Thanks, Steve. Good morning. Starting on the Underground, as there's just been a signal failure at Farringdon. It means the Circle Line is currently suspended anti-clockwise from Moorgate to King's Cross, with minor delays on the rest of the line. The Hammersmith and City Line is also not running westbound from Moorgate to King's Cross
1: as well. All leaping over. It's really a non-story. Well, it isn't. You know, because I, I have no problem. With them, you know, going and protesting and then coming back in the day you know, and then leaving at night to go home to their nice warm, comfy beds. But it kinda of makes a bit of a mockery. I mean there was one guy the other day, a protester, sitting there using a laptop, you know, complaining about the banks. Ready? Okay, ready? Brace, she said this is new Jodie. She said she would, if people asked, run naked over the road, but there again she's a shy wallflower, isn't she? Oh it's
2: not as bad as I thought thought you were gonna be No. Yeah.
1: Thought it was yeah. going to be. She's, she's wearing somebody else's boobs, by the look of it. Yeah, they, they, is, they don't look real. It's better than that. Yes. And it's just these cheap, tacky tattoos. She's, it's not that bad. Yes. Airbrush I mean, to the hell. whole thing's very tacky. Yeah. It's
2: in newspaper, you yeah. know, yeah. and all that. But
1: it... She says, I absolutely love how I look. I know, just keep it covered up, love. You know, it's, it's, it's neither big nor, nor clever. Well, in fact, well. they are big. <laughs> they are actually quite, quite big, I think. <laughs> Even by Christmas pudding standards, they're quite big, I think. <laughs> Unfortunately, they do look like Christmas puddings. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) I never understand why women want to have fake boobs. You know, I I can understand if you're small and you want them a bit big, but they always look fake. They always look fake. If you go and see this this film Anonymous, which you should go and see, they've got Vanessa Redgrave whose boobs are pushed up so high because they all have these low cut bodices. <laughs> Just looks somewhat um, abnormal, but interesting at the same time. There was a lot of people falling out of dresses in this film, let me tell you. So you must go and see it. Uh, 84850, Steve at LBC. I'll bring you the weather in a moment. I'm not going to worry about that. Uh, Codswallop, says Patricia. Yet another spurious Shakespeare did not write Shakespeare theory. The Earl of Oxford would never have had some commoner take credit for his efforts for a start, and the Bard of Avon went to grammar school where he was well-versed in the classics. No, he didn't. That's the trouble. There is no evidence. I mean, there's a great body of evidence, she says, as to his life and times, which space does not permit me to go into here. Uh, Well, it, it isn't, unfortunately. And there is nothing. In fact, there are lost years of Shakespeare. When he comes up to London, there's two years missing. Then there's five years missing. Then he has twins... Nobody ever discovered what happened to them, and he did this will. Not, no mention of a book. There is, there is nothing. But, it, but the film isn't presented like that. In fact, if you didn't know anything about Shakespeare at all, you would just assume this is Shakespeare, this man is sort of writing this stuff, and and then signing it, Shakespeare. But nothing exists at all. And it, it is a very good film, but nothing exists, isn't it? Do you not find that strange? That in the whole of Shakespeare's life, there is not one sonnet, not one piece of writing... Nothing at all to suggest this man ever wrote anything. I mean, there were always conspiracy theories that it was written by somebody else. I hadn't heard the Earl of Oxford, who fathered a child with, with Elizabeth, uh, who was about to be executed. Elizabeth was going to have him executed because she had the Earl of Essex executed. Very good job, too, because he was a traitor. And they didn't mess around in those days. They really didn't mess around. If, if you read the book on the Tower of London, which I mentioned the other week on the programme, I think it's just called The Tower, we were so gruesome, I mean, we were executing people left, right and centre. And if you displeased the Queen or His Majesty or, or you fell out of favour with all sorts of people, I mean, they had no hesitation in executing people. And the, the beheadings that went on, and then your head was stuck on a spike. I mean, it was, it was just dreadful. So she was quite happy, Elizabeth, the Virgin Queen, but not, to have, uh, have her own son executed. But uh, well, there was a happy side to that at, at, at the end. But it, 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 uh, it is actually... It is actually quite quite sort of a good story, but they don't make a big thing because nobody knows. So the film comes in at, at Shakespeare's life because on one day he was due to marry a woman called Anne, not, not Anne Hathaway, but on the, on, a, on the following day he then, he then decided that he was going to marry Anne Hathaway. So it sort of swapped over very quickly. And then it all went quiet, which is, uh, you know, interesting. Uh, one here... It's pure snobbery to suggest a Birmingham chap, a grammar school boy, couldn't have written those plays. He wrote for money. He didn't maintain an archive. Also, most people had different signatures then. So, um, there you go. So that's Mark and Ruth Hastings. Well, Mark and Ruth in Hastings. They might, which is known as God's waiting room, isn't it, really? I mean, that is the place where you go to sort of either catch up with your hubcaps or everything. But uh, there was no grammar school. There was no such thing as a grammar school. This is Tudor times. This wasn't last year. There was nothing. He had a very basic education. Didn't travel. There was no evidence to suggest that he travelled anywhere at all. But, of course, you can come up with anything. Remember all the conspiracy theories about Diana? It was ordered by a member of the royal family. You know, they've never found the car, they've never found this, they've never found anything at all. Nobody knew anything about it. It was all, goodness sake, it was all big hush-hush. And and she was got rid of because she was an embarrassment to the royal family. The conspiracy theory, all it is, it's a very, very good film. OK, and if he gets you talking, then that's even better. Because that's what films are designed to do. If you go and see a film and you come out and you say, "All oh, I going to have something to eat now, it hasn't done its job. The film has to make you talk. And the question is, was Shakespeare a fraud? You'll never know. I don't know. I just present the evidence. I can say, well, this is it. There is nothing left whatsoever. Nothing. He never kept his manuscripts, because he never wrote anything. You know, normally people kept things, but uh, didn't keep anything at all. Uh, Phil says, maybe you could have your legs waxed while you're waiting in the queue at the supermarkets. <laughs> That's a good idea. Do you know what? A good idea. You could have, somebody could come up and you just sort of roll your trouser legs up and they go, they wrap something round and they go, shh, and rip the, uh, the sheets. It sounds lovely, doesn't it? Oh, goodness gracious me. Steve, I have to agree with everyone, says Paul over Tamara. Isn't she asking for trouble, though, by flaunting the expensive stuff, let alone the silly picture with all the cash that she posed for? I bet she'd be the first to moan if the house was broken into. Yes, this is... You remember, she, they wanted a million pounds in £50 pound notes and they had it in the safe... So she draped it all over herself. I mean, you know... But there again, if she's a bit vacuous, there's, there's, there's nothing that you could... You, you can't change her opinion of herself because that's what, that's what she thinks is, uh, is right. He says, I have the same as you have uh, waiting for a moment at the till to be served. But I have a problem with the idiot in my local Tesco the other morning who paid his 30p for a copy of The Sun with his Switch card. Actually, I saw a woman the other day. It was a fiver and she put it on a credit card. And I... Th- you put a fiver on a credit card, do you? Oh, she does it next door. So, uh, there you go. See, I, I, I can't do that. I did see a woman the other day. She was paying for a Starbucks coffee with pennies and 2 p pieces. And, f- oh, God, doesn't it drive you mad? Oh, it just drives you mad. Everybody's got notes. You know, hand over a Hong Kong $100 bill, you know, and, and oh, people hand over change. Well, feeling that, somebody pack all their bags up and then then they start looking for their purse. Which drives me cracking. I always have a race with the girl on the till as to, can I pack faster than she can scan? And it's a little game I play with myself. And at the end, I go, and you've just won a coconut. You know, and they go, sorry? I go, nothing, nothing. Talk to myself. Nick Ferrari this morning, just after the news at seven. News of the first fatality on London's cycle superhighway. Nick is asking if the capital is really properly equipped for cyclists. No. I told you, every morning there's one that cycles on the pavement, straight across Trafalgar Square. Couldn't really give a damn about whether he knocks anybody off at all. A complete a complete nightmare. Perhaps I should actually throw myself in the path, actually, this morning. Get some compensation. And uh, Nick will be speaking to Hazel Blears about a government consultation over the introduction of Clare's Law, allowing women the right to know if their partner's been involved in domestic abuse. Good idea. Or a risk to civil liberties. And should employers be able to approach older employees and suggest retirement without fearing ageism accusations. Mm. They've got a guy who they're going to be talking to this morning, and uh, he's 55. He's struggling to find work because of his age. I think I sound quite young. I think I sound quite young this morning. Chirpy, you know. Hello, you're you right. All right. <laughs> Nothing worse isn't it, than say sounding very ancient this morning. <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, 84850, stevenlbc.co.uk. Not in front of the corgis. Uh, nobody knows more about the royal family than the 1,200 staff that they have, and uh, th- they say here, uh, they know which royal is most popular below stairs, who the Queen gives her cast-off clothes to, who has his shoelaces ironed, and what goes on behind a trick mirror at Buckingham Palace. Now there's a new book by Brian Hoey, who's chronicled the monarchy for 40 years, and he's sharing their secrets. I like the idea of the uh, of the uh, the mirror. Oh, it's here. Regarded as the most warm and welcoming stateroom in the palace, the white drawing room, actually painted yellow. Try and explain that one to people. This is the white drawing. It's yellow. Yes, but it doesn't sound right calling it the yellow drawer. In one corner is a large fixture containing a full-size mirror. During functions, the footman is stationed alongside, and at a single signal, he presses a button, and the entire fitment swings open to reveal the royal family who have been waiting in the royal closet having their own pre-function drinks. A little drinky pool before you go out and meet people, you know. That's Princess Anne. And we uh, push the button away. Ta-da! And so out they go. Uh, they've also got, of course, um, a swimming pool in Buckingham Palace, which household staff can use, which is quite nice. However, if a staff member arrives to swim and a royal is already swimming, they must not attempt to join them. So you can't get in the water with me, goodness, I've got the pool today. Still Princess Anne. And uh, so you can't do it. But they can use a swimming pool. And the Palace Cinema can obtain any film before it's on general release. So there you go. And one former footman spent three years at Buckingham Palace and then got a job as a private butler to an American billionaire complete with a $75,000 salary, a house and two cars. Which is actually, the Americans love it. The Americans absolutely go crackers for anybody who's worked with the royal family. Let's face it, they'll bend over backwards for Sarah Ferguson. Bend over, and, and for Paul Burrell as well. Diana was said I was her rock. No, she didn't. She never said it. It's never documented. Nothing at all. It's Yeah, she might have said, actually, you're as thick as a brick, and you're going to bring yourself lots of trouble by selling items, OK? And nobody's going to like you in the country anymore. 8 for 850, oh, LBC. Dot dot we take more of your texts and emails. The other side of the news. Oh, and the good news is Kerry Katona says she's now turned her life around for about the 500th time and she's ready to marry, but it's got to be a celebrity. Lock up your sons and daughters. She's out again. LBC.
0: On FM, online and digital radio, London's biggest conversation.
1: This is LBC 97.3. Morning, everybody. Nice to have your company. Eight minutes past six. It's Wednesday, October the 26th. And, uh, the Wombles could be the Christmas number one this year. I know... I know we're only thinking about it now. I don't think the Wombles will be. I do like the Wombles, but they're re-releasing their We Wish You a Wombling Merry Christmas. Which is always very entertaining. I have a horrible... It'll be The X Factor again. It could be one of... One of Gary Barlow's songs. Or failing that, it could be Ronan Parks. It's either Parks or Park. Who's the, uh, the young... Uh, lad who amazed them on The X Factor with his fantastic voice. Slightly affected boy, but uh, the voice is very good, and uh, he's managed to appear on so many programmes singing live, which I always think in this day and age, of course, makes a mockery of so many other groups who can't sing for Toffee, but this this kid's getting out there at the age of, I think, 12 or 13, and he's singing live, so good to him. Uh, Also, there's a, a new book out because, you know, when, I, mean, I don't know about you, but I'm just absolutely awful with computers. I can sit there and stare at them, and I have to have people do things for me, like turn it on to start with. But uh, there's a new one out now. This is part of these computer... Yes, forwarding mail is, is my, my standard I've got no idea how to do that at all. I have to ask every time. It's very easy, but the trouble is, I mean, I'm, I'm, unfortunately, my mind switches off when I get things like that. So here is an introduction to Mac OS X Lion, and it's part of the, uh, the computer guidebooks from uh, a company called uh, Babani. And uh, Michael Babani sent me this latest one here. They've got a website, which is BabaniBooks, uh, B-A-B-A-N-I Books dot com. And this is an introduction. And it, it takes you through what you see on the screen. I remember once I got a voiceover job years and years ago, and they said, can you do a computer programme? I thought, oh, that'll be nice. That'll be easy. And uh, went in there, and they said, oh, it pays X x pounds. I went, oh, that'll be nice. And they gave me what was roughly akin to something the size of the Bible, and and I'm reading it, saying, uh, Finder allows you to manage files, folders, disks and more. The Finder icon is the one that looks like a face of shown in figures. They went, no, 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 no. Slower. People are listening to this on the computer. I went, what? They went, no. The Finder icon is the one that looks... I said, you're joking. I'll be here for days. It took the best part of eight hours. In the end, I was so fed up reading this stupid thing... It was me doing it. And I didn't know anything about it at all. You know, personalising your Mac to change the so, and I I started speeding up on all the wrong bits to change the desktop image. One, click on the Apple icon. Two, click. No, people are listening. I'm putting all the wrong information. Everything. No, to change the desktop image, one, click on the Apple icon. Two, click on System Preferences from the drop-down list. Three, And you can imagine how... It, you're literally teaching somebody how to operate a computer. It was driving me crackers. So that's why the books are always very helpful, because you can do them at your own pace. Good news is, Lindsay Lohan, for all fans of Lindsay Lohan, and I'm not one of them, uh, she's finally, finally been persuaded to take all her clothes off for Playboy magazine. And, uh, yes, she did it for money, of course, and they gave her a million dollars. I mean to be quite honest, I don't know who would ever pay for this, but uh, she jumped at the chance to pick up six hundred and twenty-four thousand quid. She's lovely. By by a token, Jodie Marsh will do it for nothing. Okay, that's, that gives you a rough idea where we're coming from here. But uh, she said after the photo shoot, which was called a Marilyn photo shoot, uh, I was comfortable with it. I didn't have to put too much thought into it. Or any effort at all, by the look of it. But there you go. I'm sure somebody will be absolutely thrilled with the fact that, uh, that you're now in Playboy magazine. Does anybody buy Playboy magazine anymore? Has it still got the, the pulling power that it had years ago? Uh, Harvey says, with regards to the swimming pool at Buckingham Palace, if a staff member is swimming and a member of the royal family wanders in, they don't get out straight away but swim a couple more lengths and then get out. Yes, because you might have only just climbed in, mightn't you? And I suppose you have to then sort of, uh, sort of worry about the royal family. Can you imagine? Oh, God, the Queen's in the Queen's swimming. You know, you get out of the water, you know. Imagine, yes, we're trying to imagine what their swimming costumes are. I imagine that the royal family would all wear quite old-fashioned swimming costumes. You know, they would... I think the royal family can go in, but there's a pecking order. and I, I don't think they're all splashing around on a rubber ring, put it that way. And, and the Queen's going, to me, to me, with a big bouncy rubber ball. It's not going to be happening, is it? And Charles is going, I, I like this game, you know. I like water polo. Jolly good stuff. Uh, Weather for today. Sunny spells. Showers later this afternoon. The high 14 degrees. As yet, no frost. I was looking at some lovely pictures the other day of the weather up in Scotland and it's very frosty up there. Currently 9 degrees and uh, tonight mostly dry at first, but the clouds soon increasing with some rain spreading from the south overnight, mainly over western parts. Minimum. 10 centigrade. Thursday, generally cloudy and rather cool day with some outbreaks of rain. The rain mostly light, but some heavier bursts are possible, so take an umbrella. Friday, mostly dry, brightening up Friday afternoon after the morning mist and fog clears. And Saturday and Sunday, mostly dry with some sunny spells developing on Saturday and Sunday but becoming breezy. I'm going this week to see Warhorse. And uh, somebody said, take a box of tissues. It's an absolute weepy from start to finish. So I'm very much looking forward uh, to that. Uh, Steve, so uh, Kerry Katona's turned her life round again. I would think she'd be really dizzy by now, because this must be at least the fourth time she's said the same thing. You're quite right, actually. It goes on and on. Again, a woman with no discernible talent that anybody's ever seen, unfortunately. But at least she's trying. LBC 97.3
2: Running a small business, always short of time. QuickBooks accounting software makes it easier and quicker to keep on top of the books. It helps you manage cash flow, invoicing and VAT, leaving you more time to work on your business.
1: Steve Allen. Morning, everybody. It's nice to have your company. 18 minutes past six. It's LBC 97.3. I do feel sorry for the family of a soldier killed in Afghanistan who got an apology last night. They were sent a letter because they, they paid his, his money in uh, he'd, he'd been paid, and because he died before the end of the month, they clawed back £433. So they, they paid his, his wages, but because he died, they, they took some of the money back. And uh, it, it was just absolutely dreadful. The family couldn't believe it. Uh, he was paid in monthly instalments, and he died ten days before his next payday. So in other words, they, they deducted £433.13 and pence in overpayment. What a dreadful... Th- and then to write to the family. He was killed, for goodness sake. It is absolutely appalling. I mean, the MOD says we regret any distress, but it's just appalling that this should ever have occurred. Like, they're not suffering enough. So, for dying, they dock your pay. Terribly sorry, but you've died, and we want the money back. So they took it back. Very unfortunate. It's an isolated incident, but, to be honest with you, it shouldn't happen at all. Think, things like this should, should never happen, because it, it just heaps all sorts of uh, dreadful things on people who are, who are suffering as well. Um, other stories in the paper today. There's a really dreadful one which I can't mention about a woman in Sunderland who did something dreadful to her boyfriend. And, uh, a film about Shakespeare made for financial gain convinces you that one uh, of the very many conspiracies about William Shakespeare is the right one. We didn't say it was the right one. Uh, his father was a farmer, incidentally. His father was a poor, lowly farmer. And uh, there were no grammar schools or anything else like that. You see, you can read whatever you want on the internet. You can probably find his Wikipedia entry, which says that he hang-glided for, for the country or something like that and made frequent missions to the moon. You can find all sorts of things. Um, but uh, but there is no evidence to suggest he wrote anything at all. There is nothing. There is nothing. No documentation. Nothing. Not a letter. Not a prose. Not a sonnet. Nothing. So there you go. And, uh, Steve, you're quite right. Little or no historical evidence to attribute to the work of the man we know as Shakespeare. I recommend a fine documentary shown by the Beeb some years ago called Much Ado About Something. Wilma's loving the Princess Anne impression. Yeah. You, 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 you. Very good one, actually. That's one of my better ones. And, uh, Steve, a few times now you've said Hastings is God's waiting room. You're wrong. It's Eastbourne. Let's get, no, it's not. It's Hastings. I've been there. Believe you me, it is it is God's waiting room, Hastings. I mean, you've only got to drive down to the pier to realise there are a lot of people staring out to sea. In fact, actually, Brighton could be God's waiting room. Blackpool certainly is God's waiting room. It's like God doesn't want to go there. And every single seaside resort is God's waiting room. Every single bloomin' one. Bournemouth, God's waiting room. Every bloomin' one of them. Why? Because people sit in bus shelters, staring out to sea, lashed by the wind and the rain, and clutching their sad portion of fish and chips. I mean, admittedly, when you finally get to Blackpool, you've suddenly realised that even God doesn't want to know about the waiting room there. But it's everywhere. Eastbourne, Hastings, Teddington, uh, other places, all around the place, it's it's God's waiting room. I do like this story. It's it's so pathetically stupid in the paper today. The Essex underworld, makes it sound like an undergarment, doesn't it, is vowing revenge on the thug girls who beat Sam and Billy uh, Fayears to a pulp, which they didn't, of course because uh, they've all managed to still pose for their pictures, and luckily, phew, the filming can still continue. They're weaving it into the filming, but the, the neck brace goes on and off, depending on who's around. They say here in the paper, some of Essex's toughest guys are threatening to exact rough justice on behalf of the battered TV... Where have they got this drivel from? It can only be the... Oh, it's the Daily Star, isn't it? Uh, as the source said, the girls don't want any more trouble, but some of the local boys around here are far from happy about what happened. They see this as an attack on two of their own. They need to get out a bit more then, don't they, really? This goes on all the time. On their own. <laughs> their own what? You know, we watched them on the television yesterday. It was just dreadful. It was ri- it's pitiful, the conversations that they have. They are so, so vacuous. It's it's just almost embarrassing, I'm afraid. So, Kerry Katona, looking to marry again. She's now not bankrupt. So that's great. That's fantastic. Unfortunately, she can't do it. She's been on every show that there is. There isn't anything left for her, uh, unless they want to stick her on Blue Peter. You know, should appear on Blue Peter? Shouldn't think so. That's dumbed down a bit, hasn't it? I was a little bit worried. They've moved it to Manchester. Looks like it's done in a cupboard. It's really very tiny and very... It's not the Blue Peter we knew from years ago. I bet they've cut the, the team back as well. Great shame. But anyway, um, apparently, uh, because of the, the children, that's Molly and Lily Sue, and she's divorcing Mark Croft, but she's uh, she's finally, you know turned her life around, and she's looking forward to getting married again. I'd actually look forward to learning how to stack shelves. You know, find, find something useful to do, because at the moment, you're not doing very well. It's no good just turning up on a programme going, and people go, who are you? Because there's another one of these programmes out now. And this is called, it's, it's Desperate Scousewives. And it's filmed in Liverpool. And uh, it's, it's a little bit the answer to The Only Way Essex. Blonde makeup artist Jodie Lundstam was filmed shouting, Liverpool! I'm back! And pictured here looking like the proverbial last turkey in the shop, I'm afraid. It's rumoured she'll be joined on the eight part show by Amanda Harrington, 30, and Chloe Cummings, two models. Good lord, one at 30, looking ancient to be a model. Oh, glamour model. That's why right, you can keep going to about 70 in that one. And uh, Liverpool, says Channel 4's Features Commissioning Editor, Kate Techman, says, has a unique place in the nation's hearts. I don't think it does. I don't think it does. I think when, when we think of Liverpool, we just think of the Beatles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, Jerry, the Pacemakers. We, we never think of Liverpool Scousewives, do we? We don't think of anything like that at all. Well, I certainly don't, no matter the, uh, the rest of you. 84850 steve at lbc.co.uk. Uh, big Brother apparently is still going. I had no idea. I, did you see it last night? I had no idea it was still on. There's a little repeat that they run on Channel 5 in the morning. It's, it's so pitifully depressing because you don't know anybody. You really don't know anybody. Uh, Chris Martin is nervous about his band's latest album. Didn't he say that he... he sure thought... um, He was, um... He came up with something a short while ago, and I can't remember what it is, actually, Chris Martin. He said something in one of the papers. Uh, Half of Britons are love cheats. That'll be you listening at the moment. That'll be you. And they would love a partner to romp with a... with a a celebrity. It depends which celebrity, isn't it, really? Apparently, a whopping 47% of people admit they would do the dirty on their other half... Just like Ashley Cole did to ex-wife Cheryl, more than 30% declared that they would let their partner play away if it was with a celebrity. Really? They must have asked some really tacky people for this survey. I'm pre- ah, pre- ah, of course. Presumably, it's it's so that they could then sell the story and make money out Ah, that's what I wonder what it was, actually. Because uh, they say here, sexy Cheryl, thick as a brick. You can't ask Gremlin, can you? I mean, her career just finished. After the American debacle, it all went... It just disappeared. Managed by Will I Am, William really, but Will I Am because it makes him look a bit more interesting. Strange bloke with funny glasses. Uh, they would also want to romp with Kelly Brook. There's a surprise. Only thirteen percent of people wanted to romp with poor Kelly. And pretty judge Lisa was trumped by Susan Boyle. Eight percent wanted to cheat on their partner with Susan Boyle, which only goes to prove what a stupid survey it must be. Because, let's face it, nobody in their right mind is going to choose Susan Boyle over the broom in the corner, are they? I mean, it's, I would think it's, that's why it's only 8%, I'm afraid. Uh, we talked the other day about uh, aliens, and as uh, uh, Junior points out, it's in hospital, so listening on the podcast, uh, they would be intelligent if aliens had the ability to uh, traverse the galaxy, they would be intelligent far beyond our ken, so why would they want to visit our tiny compost heap? Yes, exactly. I mean, they're obviously doing a lot better if they can get as far as us, but we can't get as far as them. Uh, please wish Ingrid and Andrew loads of love for their big day on Saturday, says Noreen. They're getting married in Glasgow and also love to Ingrid's mum, Anne, and her sister-in-law to be Jennifer. All Steve Allen fans. Thank you very much indeed for that. And uh, we will be seeing, she says, Andrew and Ingrid on December the 3rd at The Mermaid. They did survive Glasgow and Air. I've never been to Ayr. I've never been to Glasgow. Had a brilliant time. Our friend was thrilled to see us. The journeys were brilliant. All the food. Brian thought he'd died and gone to heaven. I'm still waiting for my money to arrive. You know the, the, the money I've ordered? Everybody thinks I'm mad as a broom for the, for this one. This is the uh, the pennies and threepenny bits and sixpences and everything else. I was hoping it would have arrived today so I could uh, take some down to my brother because it's the kind of thing that he would probably appreciate. Nobody, no, nobody around here appreciates it at all. I'm the only one who's getting excited about a bag full of money. Everybody else is going, what have you bought that for? And I've gone, I don't really know, I'm afraid. Uh, little Miss Desperate in the papers. That's uh, Cara Toynton and, uh, and Holly Valance. They've, they've had to go out together for a picture shoot to prove that uh, Cara's getting a bit jealous sitting at home, uh, twiddling her thumbs at the moment, That's taking up knitting, I shouldn't wonder, that uh, Holly's getting very friendly with her man. It's, it's an effort... You know, to try and get them both in the papers at the same time. So they've done. Nobody really cares less, actually, Cara. You know, if you can't hang on to your bloke, that's your problem. I'm afraid it's not really anybody else's uh, problem at the moment. Will we lost, popskins. Oh, nothing. All right. All right. Okay. Uh, Okay. All right. You're doing colouring in again this morning. Oh, fantastic. Save a page for me. Save a page. So Holly and Artem are dancing together, and apparently Artem is is Holly's Holly's girlfriend. But boyfriend. And so it's it's just ridiculous. It's, it's, it's such a non-story. The other good story and it appeals to everybody who's desperately trying to lose weight, gain weight, whatever you're trying to, I hate people who say I cannot put up but put on any weight at all but uh, Dawn French is full of life and fun having shed five stone five stone she shed and um, they reckon now four out of five women suffer from a lack of confidence. I would think it's probably the same for men you know, if if you ask somebody, sorry, is what? I've just I've just said it's women. I've just said f- four out of five women suffer from a lack of self-confidence. I said probably men as well, I would think. One woman appears to be full of confidence is Dawn French, but really inside not. After the split from Lenny Henry, the 53-year-old said a healthier approach to life had helped her drop from a size 22 to a size 14 to 16. And uh, she's attributed the weight loss to eating less and walking more. And I've always been a big, big fan of the walking bit. The walking is is very good. Brisk walking is good. Just sauntering along ain't much cop to anybody, because you're not going to lose anything. But if you, it's the little and often food, isn't it? We've always talked about, you know, not, not necessarily dieting, because nobody believes in diets, because diets don't work. Diets are just a short-term thing. It's like, you know, if if you're going into the jungle, you'll quickly lose the weight. Or I remember, I think it was even Russell Grant who said before he started doing the dancing, he went on a diet to lose some weight because he's far too fat and far too much strain on his heart. If you start doing all these things, it must be very, very wearing from him. But uh, the fitter you are, then the healthier you are. So it's little and often. It's not salads. It doesn't make any difference what you eat as long as you don't eat very much of it. You could eat a baked potato every day, but the best bit is the skin. That's the bit that nobody wants. People want the cheese and the butter and everything else inside it. And to be quite honest, I could eat one now, actually. I could eat a baked potato with cheese and baked beans in it. I used to love that kind of thing. But I never put the butter in. Because they'd always give you the butter, but put the cheese on it first. I used to think, no, put, put, the, put the butter in first. And one of these days, they'll actually do squeezy butter. That'll be something I shall look forward to. Perhaps we could launch it on LBC 97.3, where the time now is 6.30. <laughs>
0: From the LBC 97.3 News Centre, I'm Sam Pittis. The Bishop of London is calling on campaigners camped outside St Paul's Cathedral to leave. Richard Chartres says the anti-capitalist camp's presence threatens to eclipse entirely the issues that it was set
1: up to address. Television. How can I think of a story in the papers? So today, it's a two-page spread on, am I too old to wear a leopard-skin dress? Two dreary, boring pages, whereas the simple answer is, No. Anybody can wear it, you know, as long as you can fit into the thing, as long as you don't look like mutton dressed as mutton. It's just a leopard print dress. But she's writes about, at 71, she was worried she was not dressing as someone her age. But what are you supposed to wear when you get to 70? I mean, there aren't hard and fast rules about what you're supposed to wear when you get to a certain age. I don't think people care about it. I never look at people, you know, unless it's somebody very, very old. And then I think... There there are obviously certain clothes that you must have... in Like our grandmothers had certain clothes in their wardrobe. And the answer was the clothes that they had, because they weren't bothered about the fashion side of it, was it was something that was practical. Nowadays, people do spend a lot more money on clothes. Years ago, there weren't the clothes shops. So that's why people over the age of, you know, probably 80 or something like that, have, have got what I would call sensible clothes. Clothes that are meant to last. Simple as that. In the papers today, a report that almost half of Brits, that's you, are afraid of the dark... 38% 38% well, hate the Thirty-eight believe, believe in ghosts, and 25% think UFOs are real. 43% are frightened by sudden loud noises. <laughs> Frighten myself, then. Frighten myself. What fears have you got? Pigeons, I don't like. I could run over pigeons every day. Can't bear pigeons. I was talking to someone the other day about pigeons, and once they start settling on the roof... You, the, the, down in Twickenham Riverside, you know we have a dreadful problem with Canada geese... Rooks, seagulls and pigeons. And people go down there, well-meaning idiots, and feed them about 50 times a day. So one of the houses had such a problem, he put up an owl on the roof to deter them. And for about two weeks, it worked. They were too scared, the pigeons. Now, they know it's fake. They all cover the roof with every bit of rubbish you can think of. So, what fears have you got? 84850, LBC 973. So, you're afraid of the dark? I don't like the dark. I used to. I didn't like it. My parents used to close the door when I was a child. You say just leave the door open a little bit, you know, because I, I like to see the landing light on. And you wake up and they turned it off. You so I now always sleep with the bathroom light on. I don't have the the light off at all. So I'm not I'm not afraid of the do- yeah. I'm afraid of the dark. Okay, I'm afraid of the dark. I'm so worried that uh, I I do sort of I have to have the lights on. I'm just one of those sort of can't help it. Yeah. You find it creepy getting up early. I, I, I do hear strange noises, mainly in my stomach, I'm afraid, most of the time. So, usually the thing that's going. And uh, 25% think UFOs are real. It's only 20, that means 75% of those are the normal ones. 43% of you are frightened by sudden loud noises. My, my godson, Nathan, doesn't like fireworks. Doesn't like fireworks. And yet, strangely enough, can't wait to get a motorbike. Only 13, so it's not going to happen for some time yet. But he wants one of these little ones that you can go sort of off-roading or something. Uh, 84850, co at lbc.co.uk. Now, dancers from Vienna are performing just down the road from here in Trafalgar Square in a, a gravity-defying show. That's all I can tell you. It's a 21-metre vertical stage. <gasps> the tallest temporary structure ever built in Trafalgar Square. Celestina... Ola Laude played a visit to the attraction yesterday for LBC 97.3.
2: The spectacular two-day event in the heart of London has been put together by the Vienna Tourist Board to encourage people to see Vienna from a different angle. Dancers performed on the wall-like stage directly next to Nelson's column, hoping to convey what they called a snapshot of Viennese culture whilst being spectacularly suspended in the air spokesman gil collarin told lbc 97.3 why the event is so appealing
0: we're giving people
1: a chance to witness some of the wonderments of vienna depicting different elements of uh, viennese culture so things that come everything from nightlife to the cafeterias in
2: between shows there was a chance for the general public including myself to take a face first abseil down the stage using a special harness. Nick Sines also had a go and told LBC 97.3 that he felt exhilarated.
0: Absolutely fantastic. Loved it. The first time I've ever done anything like that and it was just amazing. How did you feel? I was a bit nervous when I was leaning over the top, but uh, once I was sort facing down and walking, brilliant, loved it. Brilliant rush.
2: The event continues in Trafalgar Square tomorrow. Make a visit for a slice of Viennese culture
1: I hope they've got sausages down there. Our reporter uh, Celestina Olalaude down there for LBC ninety-seven point three. It's in Trafalgar Square. You can't miss it. You can't miss it. I promise you, you can't miss it. This thing is. In, have you seen it? It's enormous. a structure. It's. It's. I think it's one, one. One of the biggest structures. Well, it is one of the biggest structures I've ever seen down there. So the report that almost half of Brits are afraid of the dark, and I'll probably have to put my hands up and and, uh, and admit to that one. Thirty-eight percent believe in ghosts. And 25% of you think UFOs are real. 43% are frightened by sudden loud noises. What fears have you got? 84850 oh, or LBC973? Uh, Hugh says, I'm not particularly a supporter of these protesters, but uh, it's a typical divide-and-rule strategy by the government. Stop them protesting at the Bank of England, let them protest outside St Paul's, and eventually the public will get fed up with the protesters. I think are fed up already. He says, the protesters aren't bright enough to cotton on. One of them, it turns out, his father's, um, um, um... Um, a property developer, and he said that he he generally goes back to a £1.5 million flat that his father owns. It's nice, isn't it? They seem to be against the banks. I bet his father's not. And Jeremy says... I knew we had ignited a small firework on this one. Re Shakespeare, they don't even know if that was his name. There's no evidence. They don't know what he looked like. The image everyone has is made up. In Tudor times, a lot of plays were written by some 10 to 30 people contributing. Many of Shakespeare's plays were written by many people. The credit was just in his name, albeit rather incorrectly. He certainly didn't travel. And to prove that around the Gentleman of Verona play, plus Romeo and Juliet, based in Verona, of course, he talks of boarding ships in Verona, but, of course, it's nowhere near any water. A version credited to him was in perfect Italian, so work that one out. Anyway, read Bill Bryson's book on Shakespeare. Very, very enlightening. Yes, I mean, it's, it's, it's going to get people talking. This is the film Anonymous. It's very well done, but it's shot beautifully. It's shot beautifully. And I only mention it because Rhys uh, Ifans, and every time I talk Welsh, I don't know why, I just will go into the Welsh language for you. And, and he's starring in the film, and he's our guest in conversation this week, together with the lovely Alan Titchmarsh. So that'll be nine o'clock on Sunday night. Six and seven in the morning. Between six and seven is the repeat of of last week's in conversation in conversazione. Uh, Mandy scared of clowns. Do you know loads of people? Loads of people are terrified of clowns. Isn't it funny? I used to. I never thought the first clown I ever saw was Coco the clown, who was with Hill Circus, and uh, and then I think his daughter set up a circus. I think at. Uh, Chessington World of Adventure, which didn't have any animals because apparently Coco never liked animals in circus and yet worked in loads. And he had an orange wig that when he came past you, he would squeeze a little thing and the wig would shoot up at either side. And uh, and I went to see Bertram Mill's Circus years ago at Olympia. Loved it. Loved it. The indoor funfair, Loved it. Loved every minute of it. Absolutely loved it. Uh, Beverly says, I have a fear. I have a fear that one day Steve Allen will rule the world and there'll be no more pigeons. That's not a fear. That is a blessing from on high. That is a blessing. No useful purpose served by a pigeon at all, unless it's under a little bit of short crust pastry. We love those pigeons. Uh, my biggest fear is dinosaurs. I know, the idea of them tramping round Leicester Square at the moment. Dreadful thought, isn't it? Imagine if all of a sudden they did come back he said, you won't believe this, but underneath the ground, far below where the tube train is, there's another world that's been covered over over the years. And there are dinosaurs. It is a little bit Jules Verne, Journey to the Centre of the Earth. And, um... Maggie says, my husband died on the 18th of the month and I had to pay back state retirement and army pensions that have been paid to the end of the month It's standard practice. Apparently so. Apparently so. I'd never heard of it, but uh, it doesn't sound very good, does it?
0: This is LBC 97.3. Would you love to get your hands on a brand spanking new Mini, but think that the payments would be too expensive? Well, you'd be pleasantly surprised to hear that right now the cost of a new mini is lower than you thought. Much. It all works together. For a free 30-day trial, visit office365.com. LBC 97.3. Steve Allen.
1: Morning, every 11.5 minutes to 7, it's Early Breakfast with Steve Allen. LBC 97.3 is the official radio partner to the Team 2012 Appeal. And on October the 27th, to celebrate nine months to go until the start of the London 2012 Olympic Games, we'll be holding a Team 2012 Appeal Day... On LBC 97.3, athletes past and present will be popping in alongside leading politicians and senior figures from Team 2012 to chat about supporting British athletes, hoping for a place in Team GB and Paralympics GB at the London 2012 Games and putting together what will be the largest British team for over 100 years. So listen throughout the day as Team 2012 has given us a pair of tickets to the men's 110 metres hurdles finals and the women's 200 metres finals fantastic and that'll be tomorrow okay tomorrow we'll be doing that i wonder what sport i'm going to get to talk about in the morning what could possibly be appropriate for steve allen first thing in the morning i have been told and i'm not going to tell you you have to wait till tomorrow uh 84850 Markin lee green spends a lot of time in hastings and he says hastings no longer has a pier some little person burnt it down last year and got away with it oh dear it's not very good is it Not very nice. 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. I've lost the use of my mouse, actually. It's given up now. All of a sudden, it's disappeared from my screen, which is a bit of a shame. Uh, Steve, they're not against the banks. They're against corruption in the city. So, there you go. So, now we've been told. Uh, Jan says, talking about fears, I can't wash my hair without keeping at least one eye soap-free in case that music starts heralding somebody coming in with a knife. See, that's awful, isn't it? I mean, I sometimes sit there in the shower, on my me little me little seat, and um, and I do sort of... I keep the shower coat just as... I'm sometimes... I'm also the same. I don't like to get soap in my eyes. In case you hear... That's Jaws music, isn't it? I've suddenly realised, actually, there's about as much chance of that coming up through the plug hole as... yeah. E-e-e-e-e. Actually, no, to be honest with you, I think the Jaws music is probably far more appropriate. Uh, Steve, spiders... Particularly the ones where you can see the zips on the hairy suits, says Julie. Ooh, don't. I had a spider in the sink the other day. It was in the in the bathroom sink. I have to be honest, I washed it down, the, the sink. But then you know what they do? They go down there because they just float on water. Then they come up the overflow pipe and they sit there watching you in the bath. Ooh, scary. Their little eyes moving, debating whether or not they should throw themselves out. Oh, I hate things like that. Um Actually, strange enough, Reese Ephens, who's with us in, in conversation this week, uh, is also in the new Spider-Man movie. He plays a villain, surprisingly. Uh, Abby says, I can't bear eels. Can't look at them, real or on TV. And when the contestants on MasterChef were given a length of smoked eel to cook, I had to change channels. So I, don't, I don't like that either. I don't like that. I can't, um, I can't operate my mouse poppet on the uh, computer. It's, it's sort of disappeared for some reason. Uh, Steve, I'm terrified of jam. Jam? Never heard of anybody terrified of of jam. That's that's a bit of an odd one, isn't it? Jam. And Steve says, Trevor, my big fear is seeing you naked on next year's LBC calendar. That's not a fear. That's a wish. I've got it back actually now. It, you you did something, didn't you? Yeah, I just
0: brought it back onto the screen. Steve. Oh, it's that's unbelievable. All you have to do was that. It's technology. It. I don't
1: know how you've managed it. I really don't. It's I don't So clever. No? no, don't. No. <laughs> I'm not sure about this fear of seeing me naked on next year's LBC calendar. <laughs> I don't think... I think people would... I think these sales of the calendar would definitely go up. Uh, Yusuf says, I'm scared of live chickens. No, I'm saying, I'm alright with chickens. I, I, I don't want to see a whole room full of them, because I, I grew up in Hong Kong, where it's quite normal to see 20 of them all tied together on somebody on a little motorbike. And Vietnam, you would see it, oof, oh, in these cages all woven together. Oh, no, 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 no. Uh, Steve, I'm afraid of sharks, snakes, and falling from a great height. I don't like I don't like those either. I don't... Uh, snakes, I can't abide. I cannot abide. I used to work with a stripper years ago who used to have a big snake. And, uh, And she used to walk around with it. And, ugh, I don't care. There's something about snakes. I've always got this fear that they're going to open their, their jaws and take my entire head. And so that... that no, no, don't bring it anywhere near me. And falling from a great height. I don't do heights at all. Erm... Um, Lynn says a block of flats have also put six wooden owls on the balconies. The pigeons now have something to lean against. <laughs> they d- they have no fear pigeons whatsoever. You know you can go shh like that, and they they, they don't take any any notice. Brian says I went to Littlehampton once. It was shut. It's not good, is it? It's an old it's an old joke. I'm afraid an old joke. Not so many old people in Hastings. I know they've all died. That's what happens, isn't it? That's what happens. Uh, John says, the new film about William Shakespeare. It's not the Americans trying to rewrite history again. No, no, no. No, no, no. It's not an American film. No, no, no. Uh, like with Titanic, the film about the finding of the Enigma machines and the Dambusters. Yes, and what was the other one? There was a film about an aeroplane, wasn't there? Which was made with American money. No, no, this is, uh, this is, this is Brit. Brit film, I have to tell you. Um, Steve says, when I think of Liverpool, I think, I wonder how my hubcaps are doing. I know. It's an old gag, but it's, it's been used over many, many years, which is always good. Uh, we're talking about your fears and phobias. And um, uh, another one here. I just woke up, says Mike, which is a disgrace because I've been here since five o'clock in the morning, so I'm expecting it a podcast. And you were telling us about somebody asked to repay £400 odd benefit because of a death. Yes, this is in the army. He'd been killed, and it was in the army. Uh, Steve, I thought you said clouds. When I was around five to six, I was terrified of clouds. I thought they were ghosts. I used to like clouds. I just wondered, because ever since I saw Mary Poppins sitting on one, I just imagine that you could be dropped out of a plane and just sort of bob around on a cloud. You know, you sort of bob from one bit without falling straight through it, which is, I think, uh, what actually happens. So don't try that. bit cold in Cyprus. 28 degrees. Now, do I wear shorts or a pair of jeans, says uh, Dean at the Lord Kitchener? Uh, I don't think... I saw somebody in shorts the other day. I thought it is a little bit cold. I've... Really, I must tell you this story very, very quickly. Just very, very quickly. It's about a holidaymaker called Robin Baines. Robin is 30. He went to America. Before he went, he bought an internet, uh, orange six-pound bundle. I don't really understand what it is, but apparently it meant that he could use the internet. Unfortunately, he used the internet abroad... And he'd obviously bought the wrong thing, because his bill came in at £4,180. And yesterday, somebody said they were listening in America, and they'd got the LBC app, and I said, make sure that you've got the right thing, because you could pay a fortune. Calls to Orange are recorded, and the firm has admitted he was wrongly sold the £6 deal. At first, they offered him only £100 off the bill for goodwill, and then £1,400 off, which he also refused. He's now had to agree to pay £500 so it was four thousand uh, pounds but five hundred pounds. so be warned if you're going abroad to America or anywhere and you think you've bought a bundle, there is a very good chance you've been you've been sold the wrong bundle and you could come back to a bill and they might not be as lenient as they have been here. Orange you know admitted that he was sold the wrong thing, but uh, they were still determined to claw back five hundred pounds of it, so just be warned. Uh, Morag says, scared of bumping into my neighbour, always tells me I should dress more to suit my age. I'm 63, tweed and a hair perm. I think not. No, you see, I don't know what it means when they when somebody says, dress your age. I mean, I'm, I really don't know. I'm, 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 I'm hoping I'm wearing the right clothes for my age. 43. Uh, <coughs> and, um, and I'm thinking, 40, 40, 40, 42? 39, 39, 39, 40, something like that. You have different day. You know when you wake up some days in, in the morning and you sort of think, I wonder how old I think I am. What? how old I am today. 8 for 8, 5, UK. stevedlbc.co.uk. I'm listening in Perth, Australia, says Mark. And uh, he says, uh, yes, he says the Queen is flying into Perth this evening. My worst fear is an Australian magpie jumping out of a tree and pecking me to death, which is what happened recently to an unfortunate pensioner here. I think you'll just be enjoying the Queen when she arrives. She's looking very, very good. Uh, I didn't hear the, uh, the programme Patsy about the life of musicals. It's, uh, it's by Michael Gray, so I'm sure it will be fantastic. Uh, Anne in Campbell says, My fear is you've resolved not to read out my emails. There you go. It's quite a good one, actually. It always works, doesn't it? It's, it's a good one. And uh, did you recently record an in-conversation with Andy McNab? Yes, I did, and you can download it. It's uh, on the LBC website, part of the In Conversations. Uh, Richard, he says, uh, My fear is waking up, turning on LBC, and hearing you being horrid about the Welsh. I can't believe it. We've always been extremely nice about the Welsh. We've n- never done anything. I- I- oh, perhaps your fear is the other way around. Sudden noises, balloons, says Ruthie. You should see me wide-skirting around McDonald's. Love- <laughs> Lovely, thank you all for that. Listen, have a, have a great day. Take an umbrella, it's going to rain and it's not going to be uh, particularly pleasant, but then we might get some decent weather over the weekend. Don't forget to podcast the programme, lbc.co.uk. You can find out all the details of 2012 and our involvement with the Olympics. Uh, Look forward to joining you tomorrow morning between 5 and 7 on 97.3. Nick and the team will be with you after 7. First of all, the business update with Sam Pittis.
0: Thank you, Steve. The FTSE will open after closing down 22 points at 55.25. European leaders are meeting in Brussels in the latest round of talks aimed at tackling the crisis in the Eurozone. But the talks have been overshadowed by the cancellation of a meeting of EU finance ministers, suggesting that a solution is yet to be reached. Profits at Amazon have plummeted due to the company investing heavily in the Kindle